Hi guys, welcome. Hey, uh, it's good to see you. In fact, in in that vein, I'll tell you what. If uh, you are like dressed and everything like that tonight, if you would like to turn your camera on, I just love to see your smiling face from time to time. It just makes me uh, a happy camper. But that's uh, that's me. And thanks, thanks Audrey. Thanks for all the uh, work on that. Honestly, that was uh, that was so good. That was fun to worship together. If you guys remember, uh, by the way, if I haven't met you yet. I would like to meet you. So I'll tell you what, we'll have to arrange something like that. But my name's Neil. And so if I haven't met you, feel free to introduce yourself and we'll chat. Uh, we'll chat a little bit later. But um, let me jump in to tonight and kind of talk to you a little bit about that. Last week, we started off and we, we talked a little bit about being all in. And we looked at, at Mark chapter 10, where Jesus is talking to the rich young ruler that comes and, and speaks with him. And really invites him into a relationship. And we talked about what it really means to be all in. And we mentioned two different components. So test time. Anybody remember two components? What does it mean to be all in? What are the two things? Anybody remember? Hmm. Ah. And there's quite That's exactly right. Yeah, the very first one. You live your life in such a way as to really glorify God or to really reveal him. That's exactly right. Job, Chandler. What about the second one? Yeah, you give your life in exchange for the same thing that Jesus exchanged his for, which was, which was people. And so what I'd like us to do over the next several weeks is this. I'd like us to look at what is that? We're going to develop more of that second one. What does it mean more to live your life for that? What does it mean more to exchange your life for people? What, what does that really look like? And let me encourage you, if you have questions along the way and there's things that uh, come up and you think, boy, you know, I've got a question about this, write those things down because we're going to have a time when you can uh, get all your questions answered. And so write those questions down. We're going to, we're going to look at those tonight. What I'd like us to look at is the need for laborers, the need for laborers. And so um, if you have your Bibles right there, you know, feel free to uh, look this up. It's in Matthew 9, 35 through 38. And in Matthew 9, Matthew tells us this. He said, and Jesus went along throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. You know, when I looked at that verse the first time and began to kind of meditate on that here about a week or so ago and think think about that verse one of the first pictures that came to my mind was um a picture from lord of the rings and the reason being you know jesus has been working and working and working if you see him there it says you know he he's out he's teaching he's he's proclaiming the kingdom of god he's healing all these diseases and you know it's like it's that picture of like eric is it eric aragon and uh, Legolas and, and that, the little dwarf too. Anyway, where those guys all get together. Now they've been battling and battling and battling at one point 
and they they pretty much finish off this whole group and they're like looking at each other for a minute like yeah and then they turn around and look and there's like 10 times as many coming right at them and they're like oh and i think that must have been part of what jesus felt as he's there and you know he's he's been working and working and he looks up and the crowds just keep coming and then he says you know boy um we need labors. Now, why labors? Well, Jesus tells us right there in, in verse 36. He said, the people were harassed and helpless. In other words, the people were really hurting. They needed help. They needed encouragement. And Jesus' solution, you know, this is one of those things right here. You know, oftentimes um, we think, man, I'd really like to know what God wants me to do. I don't want it to just be something I think up. I want to really know what he wants me to do. Well, these are the things that he's pointing out right here straight from the mouth of Jesus. He says, you know, the solution for hurting people is very simple. Laborers. Laborers. The harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. So there is a real need for labor. So why are there not more laborers? Why is there a need for laborers? I'd like that's what I'd like to talk to you about tonight. I'd like to give you five reasons that I see why there aren't more laborers. And so the first one is, is simply this. You know, that is not a term we tend to gravitate towards. It's not a term we like, laborers. In fact, most of the time, we think of labor as something you want to kind of go to school so you're not. You know, we, we look at laborers and we think, no, actually, I really like the term manager or boss or, or supervisor or something. You know, we're looking for something a lot of times with a title, but we're not looking to be a laborer. I mean, we tend to think a laborer is kind of beneath us. You know, I remember one of the first times that thought really hit me. I would I had just graduated from college and I was supposed to be starting to work in this one campus ministry in the fall. And so that summer I got a job. And I got a job with this company delivering uh, appliances and delivering furniture. And it was one of those kind of jobs, you know, you needed to be there at the company at 630 in the morning and you loaded these trucks full of furniture and appliances and stuff. And then you drove around dropping these off. And this wasn't one of those things where they, they had like the little lift that came. No, no, no lifts on this truck. So since I was the young guy and the driver, you know, didn't have to do this, he would come up and I would have to climb up into the truck, get one of these dollies, and then take like a refrigerator, wheel it to the edge of the truck and just hold on to it on the dolly and lower it down slowly. And he would say, now, slow. And I think, it's killing me. And, you know, you do that all day long. And I remember after my first day, I'm kind of thinking, I went to school for this. I mean, these guys, I mean, some of them are so excited about this job. How could they be excited about this job? But you know what happened? As the summer began to go on, I began to look at these guys, and I began to see them in a totally different way. And I thought, man, you know what they're doing? Hard, honest work. And I really began to be really grateful. And I really began to look at them and think, you know what? That's really worthwhile. Now, the term Jesus uses here, labor, it's a term that in the original language, it just means like a common field hand. It's a common worker. 
these are the guys that are out there in the sun that are sweating, that are picking the crops, that are, you know, bringing everything in, that are laboring out in the fields. And that's what Jesus is talking about. Now, you stop and think about that. You know what? You go to Trader Joe's right now to pick up food. Or, you know, if you're, you know, able to, you know, you go over to one of the, uh, one of the uh, cafes there on campus and pick up some food, one of the dining houses. Well, you know what? That didn't, that didn't get there without laborers. Laborers are the ones that brought that all in. You know, laborers in the kingdom are the top priority. Now, I've, I've got a friend. Uh, her name is Rachel. And, you know, she, she's from another country. She, uh, she's married now. And she is in the process of raising four boys. And let me tell you, you know, um, she grew up in a country where Christianity was opposed. And she went to the university there in that country um, with very much the same mindset. But then she met a laborer. She met a gal from SC named Grace. And she had come to live there in her country. And as she met Grace, they became friends. And over time, Rachel became a follower of Christ. She married a strong Christian guy, and her entire future was changed. And ultimately, not just her entire future, but her entire family's future. How did that happen? A labor. A labor that came alongside her and walked with her and helped her to do that. You know, Jesus was a laborer. In, in John 9, 4, Jesus said, As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me, because night is coming when no man can work. Jesus' answer to a hurting world was really simple. He said, we need laborers. Laborers. You know, the second reason that, you know, there aren't more laborers, the reason we need more laborers is, you know what? The enemy opposes laborers. Satan himself is opposed to laborers. Now, why, why is that? Well, because, you know, if, if you're the enemy, you strike at the most strategic area. You don't strike at peripheral things. You strike at the most strategic area. You know, like if someone says, I want to, you know, take out things in the United States and really rattle cages. No one thinks about let's bomb Choctaw, Oklahoma. No one thinks that. You know, I guarantee you, even the people in Choctaw don't think that. Okay, it's just not there. I mean, you know, they're, they're thinking much more strategic than that. And the enemy is the same way. He knows that if he can get the labor force reduced, he is winning big time. So how does he do that? Well, sometimes, you know, he'll get you involved in things that really take you off track. I mean, sometimes he'll get you involved in some bad things, but most of us are smart enough that we're not going to just be stupid and run off and be involved in those. So what he'll do instead is he'll get you involved in a lot of good things. Not bad things, just good things. But things that just distract you enough that you don't stay busy about the thing God wants you to be busy about, which is laboring. Other times what he'll do is he'll really try to discourage your efforts. You know, John says in the Revelation, he says that Satan is the accuser of our brothers and sisters who uses them before God day and night. You know what? Don't buy into, don't believe the lies 
that he will try to feed you. Don't do that. Instead, choose to listen to what God says. I mean, can you imagine the impact of a ministry on a campus or within a community if every one of the members was a trained, dedicated leader, laborer? Well, I guarantee you, the enemy can, and that's why he opposes laborers so much. Third reason. I think the reason we don't have more laborers is we just don't have the right focus a lot of times. We just don't have the right focus. I think too often we tend to want immediate results. You know, we want things that impress people. You know, too often what we want are, you know, we want crowds. And we want things that where people look at it, you know, and they're like, they're like duly impressed with things like that. You know, that's not the heart of God. We can get caught up in numbers or something like that, you know, and, 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 and just lose track of what we need to be about. Do we want to help a world full of people? You bet. But the focus can't be on crowds. We need to see really what's at stake there. You know, like right now, if you turn on the news, if you listen to anything going on around, the big news is like inoculations. Oh, you know, you've got to get this vaccine. These inoculations, this inoculation. Now, to simplify what that really means is this. In an inoculation, they give you just enough of a virus that you are in no danger of catching the real thing. And you know what? That's exactly what happens. When we focus on crowds, too often they get just enough of the gospel. They just get inoculated to the truth of the gospel. They get just enough that they're in no danger of really catching the real thing and of really having God impact their life. See, what a laborer understands is this. True growth and true transformation, that takes time. It's just going to take time. Laborers also understand that it's not so much about the crowd. It's about developing men and women who continue on to invest in others. They become laborers as well. Now, Jesus, in his wisdom, knew that what we needed in our minds, if we're going to actually be successful at this, is we need kind of a picture of, okay, what's that look like? What, what, what is it, you know, what's it like to be a laborer? And so what he does is he has Paul, who is one of the master laborers of the first century there, write some things like this. As he's writing the Thessalonians at one point, Paul says this, just as a nursing mother, cares for her children, so we cared for you. In another point, he says, for you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. What Paul tells the Thessalonians is this. He says, you know, laboring is a lot like parenting. Laboring is a lot like parenting. Now, the other day, I was having a conversation with Jeremy, and he kind of relayed a little bit of how his day was going at that point. Now, for those of you that, you know, don't know, um, Jeremy and uh, Katie have three small kids. Now, one small kid can be a handful. Three small kids, you know, uh, you, you want to, you know, climb on the roof sometimes. But they have three. And so he told me, he said, you know, he got up the other morning and kind of felt his way into the kitchen. 
and got a cup of coffee and felt his way down the hall and turns on the shower on hot and just has it pouring out there. And he's standing in the shower with his eyes closed and the water hitting him and his coffee sitting up here on this stand. And he would bring the coffee down and drink a little bit of coffee and then set it back up there and shower some and bring it down and drink a little bit of coffee and then shower some. And, and by the time he had drunk the whole cup of coffee and, you know, he had gotten showered off. Now he was ready to face the day. Now he was going to do that. You know, do you think, let me ask you a question. Do you think he and Katie ever get worn out? Oh, sure they do. Well, why not just stop taking care of the kids then? I mean, why not just do it? Why not just tell them, hey, you know what? There's food around here somewhere. You know, you're, you'll do fine. Somebody find a bottle, give it to Ruth. Uh, I mean, you know why? Because they understand that all the things they're going through right now, that's just part of being a parent. They will spend hours and hours caring for, encouraging, comforting, urging. Yeah, you bet. But nobody ever said that parenting was going to be easy. But you know, one day there's a payoff. They will have responsible adults who are able to repeat the process. And you know what? Like a parent, a laborer is not surprised that the work is hard and the days are long. But also like a parent, they understand that they play an indispensable role in developing people who will one day be able to do the same thing with others. That's the role of a laborer. You know, the fourth reason is very akin to the third. The fourth reason is it's hard work. You know, that's why there's not a lot of labor sometimes. We like comfort. We talked about that last week. One of the big reasons we don't get all in, we like comfort. And laboring can be hard. You know, there again, kind of like parenting, the days are long and the years are short. You know, it's just, it's just hard. You know, another thing, one of the reasons it's hard, nobody is there patting you on the back for being a laborer. In fact, some people don't even have a category for that. Some people think in terms of, okay, you've got, you know, believers, and then you've got like people in full-time ministry or something. You've got like pastors and missionaries, stuff like that. They don't even have a category for laborers. So often, laborers just go unnoticed. People really don't think about them. In fact, the only time people began to think about laborers is when they're not laboring and nothing's being done. You know, there was a guy named Peter Marshall who for years was the chaplain of the United States Senate. And he used to love to tell a story called the keeper of the spring. And it was about this quiet forest dweller that he lived up up high above this Austrian village in the Eastern side of the Alps. And this old man was hired for many years earlier by, by this young town council to clear away all the debris out of the pools of water that fed this spring that came flowing through the town. And so, very faithfully, very quietly, just not, not, not with any fanfare at all. He patrolled all the hills. He removed all the leaves, all the branches, all, all the things that were clogging things up. 
and he wiped away the silt from the water. And by and by, the village became this really popular attraction for vacationers. These beautiful swans would come in and they'd be floating on this crystal clear spring and all the farmlands were irrigated. And there was this gorgeous view from all the restaurants. It just looked, you know, picturesque. But as the years went by, one evening, the town council, which met semi-annually, were meeting and they looked through the budget and one of them says, you know, what is this salary for this keeper of the spring? And he said, who, who is this old man? I mean, why do we even have him on the budget? And how do we even know that he's doing anything worthwhile? And so he put it to a vote and they all voted, you know what, let's get rid of him. And so they did. And several weeks went by, nothing really changed. But then the trees began to shed their leaves and branches, you know, would begin to snap off and fall into the pools. And Suddenly, one afternoon, somebody noticed kind of a yellowish-brown tint to the spring. And a few days later, the water was a lot darker. And, you know, before long, there was kind of a slimy film on it. And the wheel at the mill began to kind of slow down until it finally stopped. All the swans, they took off. And just disease and, and sickness kind of covered the village, all the tourists left. The town council, embarrassed, called a special meeting and they realized their gross misjudgment. And they said, you know what? We need to hire this guy back. And so they went up and found him and hired him back. And within a few weeks, the river began to clear up and things began to turn around again. See, the keeper of the spring meant to the village what laborers mean to our world. They are the ones who are making sure that things go well. They're the ones that are the, the difference between people feel, feeling harassed and hurt and people really feeling loved and cared for. Common, ordinary laborers. Now, how many of you, when you're driving down the road, and, you know, you're just cruising along and you're having to go from between one place and another. How many of you stop and think something like, boy, I am so grateful for the laborers that paved this street? So you don't think that. In fact, the only time you notice it is when there's a bunch of potholes. And then you think, well, I'm not grateful for that. You know what I mean? But you're not grateful for that most of the time. You don't even think about it. Now, I thought about this one time. I was over, you know, number of years ago in Vietnam, and we were traveling around in this van headed between Hanoi and uh, this town called Sapa. And we were going up there because we were looking at some opportunities to be able to reach the flower Hmong people and the black Hmong peoples up there. And so we're kind of rambling along, going on this dirt road. And I mean, we hit this one stretch and there is like potholes. I mean, there are like huge holes all over the place and we just keep bouncing along and you know about to shake your teeth out and as we're coming around you know we got about halfway down this really bad stretch and I look over and I see these two huge piles of rocks I mean tall piles of rocks and all the rocks are like this big I mean they're great big rocks and I'm looking at it and I thought good night 
what in the world? I, I thought, is this some kind of a monument or something? I was looking there as we were driving by, and, and I see two older Vietnamese women sitting there with these little crack hammers pounding away on a rock. And I kind of thought, that, what in the world are they doing? And we drove on by, and we kept, you know, bouncing along. And so we were gone for about five days. We came back through there. But when we hit that mile or so stretch of land, something very different. Instead of falling in holes, we were traveling on this smooth gravel road. The two piles of rocks were gone, as were the two women. But the road was covered in gravel and totally repaired. How'd that happen? Laborers. is the very thing Jesus points out. We don't have more laborers because we don't pray for them. We really don't. We forget that there are things God will do if you pray that he won't if you don't. But we also forget that the need facing our world right now is met by laborers. Laborers are those people who are equipped, motivated, and intentional about being involved in people's lives and helping move them along from wherever they happen to be at that point to maturity in Christ. Laborers are those who are equipped, motivated, and intentional about being involved in people's lives and moving them from wherever they are, helping to move them along to maturity in Christ. When Jesus looked around, his solution for the problems he saw in the world was simple. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest. Now, some of you, you know, you may be there and you, you may be thinking, you know, okay, you know what? I think, um, I think I might be interested in being a laborer. So what does that look like? What does that entail? Well, I'm glad you asked. We're going to talk about that next week. But, you know, we'll look at that then. And let me take some time right now. Let me just pray for us, and then I will turn this back over the MC. Father, help us not to be so short-sighted or fearful of hard things. Or Father, just fool into thinking that there is something we can do that is more strategic than laboring. And Father, out of your goodness and out of your kindness would you raise up many 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 laborers out of this group common ordinary garden variety people who are committed 
to being involved in the very thing that you were involved with, giving your life in exchange for people. And we pray those things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Chris, Orb.